I'm going to do this. I'm going to run for the United States Senate. The time is now for fresh ideas and new leadership. I'm running for student council because of you and for you. That is why I stand before you today to announce my candidacy for president of the United States of America. Welcome to the Arena Talks podcast, where we interview emerging political leaders from across the country. My name is Ravi Gupta, co-founder of the Arena. Today, we interview Carl Dean, who's current candidate for governor of Tennessee. He's the former mayor of Nashville. He was there for two terms through both the Great Recession and the historic Nashville flood of 2010. He talks about how both crises shaped his leadership, and he also points the way forward for the state of Tennessee and talks about running as a Democrat in a state that Democrats haven't done well in in a very long time. So let's jump right in. Mayor Carl Dean, welcome to the Arena Talks podcast. Thank you. It's great to be with you. So, uh, Mayor Dean, we first met in the spring of 2010. It was actually February, like right before the spring. And, you know, as way of background, I was thinking of starting a school somewhere. And I wanted to go down to the south in particular because kids had the lowest odds of going from the bottom to the top down there. And uh, you had a bold vision for the future of Nashville at a time when it was definitely less on the radar of folks around the country than it is now. And then only a few short months later, we found ourselves on the banks of the Cumberland for your State of the Metro address. And it was actually April 29th, 2010, where you announced the creation of Nashville Prep, uh, which was the school that I founded in North Nashville, and then Liberty Collegiate, which was a school that was in East Nashville. And just two days after that, a historic flood happened in Nashville, where right where you were standing was covered in water. Uh, that rose all the way through downtown and, and destroyed a lot of people's houses and businesses and, and cost some lives. Tell us about what the flood meant to your administration. It was one of a few major crises that you had to deal with as a mayor. Uh, what made it important and uh, how did you uh, lead the city through that crisis? Well, the flood was the flood of May 2010 was probably the worst natural disaster in Nashville in modern times. Uh, it rained here for about 36 hours, and we got somewhere between 13 and 14 inches of rain. And so as a result of that, we had flooding uh, all around the city. The Cumberland River came out of its banks, um, went up the over the banks downtown. Uh, the water came up from underground at the, the Titan Stadium. We had neighborhoods around the cities where tributaries and uh, creeks that go into the Cumberland over flooded. And we had, you know, probably somewhere around $2 billion in private property damage and hundreds of millions in public property damage. In addition, uh, 11 citizens lost their lives. But the story of the flood to me will always be the people in Nashville, the way they responded. I mean, there was no disorder. Everybody. Uh, kind of did what they needed to do. They helped uh, their neighbors. They helped strangers. Um, you know, I'm particularly proud of the fact that once the rain stopped, we in the for the next week or two had over 20,000 volunteers on the street helping clean up the city and getting it back up on its feet. And I think we were able to recover from the flood uh, quicker than a lot of places just because we had so much uh, citizen involvement. You know, there were organizations that were designed um, to help volunteers find uh, ways to be useful and to give them meaningful work, and that worked out real well. 
And so we have a lot of people in our community who are running for office right now. Some of them are actually running to be uh, mayor of their town. What lessons in leadership did you learn during that crisis that you think might be helpful for some of our young folks who are entering public life for the first time? Well, I think the key thing is two things, probably preparation and communication. We have a, a very good um, emergency response uh, team here that had actually worked uh, at a, a variety of crises that could happen in Nashville, whether it be a tornado, flooding, um, the Asiatic flu was actually a, a big thing before I became mayor, and they did some work in that area. And so they were well-trained, and I had a high level of confidence that when the crisis began, that our police and fire department emergency responders were going to be able to do their jobs and that the leadership of those departments would be able to uh, get everybody going in the right direction. And, and I think, by and large, they executed very well. I think the other thing that was important was that we put a lot of emphasis on communicating with the public. Um, I think starting really from the, the first days of the flood, I would uh, do uh, press conferences where we would have all the relevant uh, department heads present to give an update to the citizens. And that would not only be police and fire, emergency response, it would also be the water department because our water supply was in danger. It would be schools about the condition of schools, when school would reopen, bus routes, things like that. Public works, which uh, does our sanitation, our trash pickup, I obviously had a mammoth task as people started cleaning out their homes and getting rid of all the rotten carpet and drywall. Um, you know, scores of other departments who kept the citizens informed, and we did that very regularly. Uh, we had an agreement that we had done, um, I guess, in the year or so before the flood with Belmont University where that would become our communication centers for press conferences because we couldn't, in our emergency communication center, we didn't have the space to have all those different departments available to people. So I, I thought it was important um, to keep people reassured, to let them know that this was being taken care of, that uh, work was underway, the city was going to recover, and then they needed to know just hard facts about what was going on in the city. Um, I want to emphasize the importance of this water crisis. We have two water treatment plants. One was entirely submerged, and the other was in danger of being submerged. And we had our water supply went down to a what we regarded as a dangerous level. And so we had to get people to um, be very restrained in their water usage. And people did. I mean, people the people were great about um, uh, about you know, prudently managing their use of water. And so that was a, a natural disaster, but you also led the city through what is arguably a, a man-made disaster, which was the recession. And you were mayor during the heart of the recession. And, you know, I had the privilege of moving to Nashville, probably at the crescendo. And it, you know, I haven't looked at the data in a long time, but my sense is that Nashville fared a lot better than a lot of other places during the recession. Um, why was that? And was there anything about um, policy at the local level that you think uh, helped the city weather the storm better than most? First of all, when I took office in September of 07, the city was moving forward. It had good, steady growth. It wasn't 
booming, but it was it was overall fundamentals were strong. But about eight or nine months later, we went into the Great Recession, which was the, the biggest economic downturn since the Depression. And we had to make some tough decisions then because clearly we were going to have less revenue coming in. Um, certainly some of the projects that had been on the private sector that had been forecasted to occur were not going to happen. And so we had, I, my decision was I wanted to make sure that we funded to the best of our ability, the things that were going to be essential to the city's future, which to me were number one, public education, then public safety, and then to continue to work on the city's economy to bring jobs in. And then we had to cut, you know, most departments other than education and public safety somewhere in the 10 to 20% range, which was, you know, that's not an easy thing to do and it's not a, a pleasant thing to do. But, you know, the way I looked at it is there were families all over Nashville making tough budgetary decisions themselves about how they were going to manage their way through the economic crisis and the city had to do the same thing. And I think, you know, your question about, um, how it affected us. I mean, it certainly unemployment hit hit went over nine percent, and we felt it. But I think one of the reasons Nashville emerged from the recession probably earlier than other cities was that we have a a strong sort of uh, diversified economy with healthcare, universities, tourism, music, um, financial institutions that give, gives us a pretty stable uh, rock. Uh, we worked hard to on, on our financing to make sure that we that the cuts we made were not going to be so draconian that they would actually do long term damage to the city too. And it, that was a very tough time. And that, in terms of those that those recession years, which seemed to last, you know, uh, three years, maybe it was two, but it felt like it was, it was really the rest of my first term. Uh, it was making tough decisions and, and having a very restrained budget, and but again, focusing on the things that mattered uh, to us the most: education and public safety. And so, in talking about education, it's it's without a doubt true that at writ large, uh, Nashville is a safer, more prosperous place than before you took office. And but one area that I think you um, because of the unique nature of the city charter and the mayor's role and, and what isn't within the mayor's control, uh, education was a lot tougher to make an impact on, I, I get the sense, during your administration. What were some of the solutions that you pushed for as mayor? What kind of power did you have or not have in order to affect the schools? And what's the state of the education uh, opportunity for kids in Nashville, especially the most vulnerable right now? Well, I, I think when I came into office for the public schools, there was a lot of concern that we were not making the progress that we wanted to be making, that particularly for um, low-income, disadvantaged children, the schools were not getting done what we, we felt needed to be happening in the city. The way it's set up in Nashville, like a lot of cities, we have an independently elected school board which is responsible for budget allocations. They decide, they propose a budget, the mayor and the council ultimately give the, the, the school board their budget number, but then the school board is entirely in charge of administering the budget and allocating the money. So the mayor would not have any direct day-to-day -day control over the school. I mean, you know, obviously you have some influence because of the budget, but it's not like you're you're in charge of schools. 
And so one of the things I did early on was I identified some areas that were a particular concern to me. One was truancy. I felt that we, you know, that we needed to make sure that every young person knew we expected them to be in school, that it was important that they be in school, and we wanted them to be there. Uh, we started a truancy center, which sort of brought together uh, the juvenile court, the, the schools, and the police in a place separate from the juvenile court, where if someone was truant, um, you could get everybody together and try to solve the problem. Uh, and we saw truancy go, go down. Um, I was interested in um, teacher recruitment. Um, so I went about recruiting Teach for America to Nashville, and we got great philanthropic support to get that done. Uh, we brought in the, the new teachers project, too, to help. We, had, we worked to uh, bring in school leaders such as yourself to start charter schools that were very much geared toward low-income kids and kids where the, the schools needed um, to improve greatly. We put a lot of resources into our school libraries and other things. I mean, schools to me was, was the issue. And I think as, as time went on, I developed a, a, a good relationship with the new director of schools who came in, I think, sometime during my first term, Dr. Register, where we were able to sort of work together and we didn't agree on everything, but I had a lot of respect for his abilities. And we sort of reached a, a, a place where we both could uh, get some of the things done we wanted. And, and, and that was important. Yeah, and as you look now statewide, uh, you know, there's a huge diversity of the types of schools and school systems and kids that will be affected by the policies uh, when you become governor. What, what do you think about now? Like, what are some of your major proposals to move things forward for the kids of Tennessee as a whole? You know, in terms of education reform, I, I am an opponent of vouchers and an opponent of for-profit charters. I certainly believe that charters have a role in, um, particularly in urban areas where they can, you know, whether it's, you look at the schools that were started in Memphis and Nashville, and I think for the most part, they have performed very, very well. I think that's key. I think paying our teachers better is absolutely essential. Um, you know, people can debate all sorts of issues around education, but I think everybody agrees that when good things happen in the classroom, they happen because you have a great teacher. And you want to attract the best and you want to retain the best. And I think we have to pay teachers appropriately. I mean, what I have seen from talking to superintendents around the, the state is that rural areas are often confronted with once they get somebody who's really good, um, they lose them to another district or to another state uh, where they can make $10,000 more, let's say. Uh, you, you lose a lot of STEM teachers to the private sector. And again, I, th I think you, you, if, if, the, if education is the key and teachers are the key to education, pay is, is absolutely important. I think as a state, we need to look at disparities that exist in all types of communities, whether they're rural or, or urban, and, and honestly look at ways to address them. Uh, I, I think we can't be timid. We can't be afraid to, to sort of opening up that book and saying, are we doing this right? And I, I think I would be willing um, to do that. To me, education is the transformational thing for the state of Tennessee. It is the thing that will move this state further along than anything else. It will affect us positively in economic development. It will affect us positively in public safety, um, in health, and in so many different ways. 
And I think schools should be our top priority. And so shifting focus to an area that doesn't get as much attention, but that definitely seems super important in Tennessee is the issue of private prisons. Last week, uh, the New York Times did a story about private prisons in the South and focused on Mississippi and pointed the spotlight on some pretty horrible practices going on in private prisons down there. And this is super important for Tennessee because it is home to Core Civic, which is based uh, right outside of Nashville. And more than a third of the state's 22,000 inmates are housed in Core Civic prisons. Um, a Republican, actually, uh, from Crosby, uh, recently filed a bill to end private prison practices in Tennessee. Um, what's your stance on this practice in general, and what can the governor do to help ensure a safe uh, environment for prisoners and a, a just environment for uh, people that are incarcerated across the state? Yeah, so private prisons, um, private prison management has been present in Tennessee for a long time, um, you know, more than more than a couple decades, actually. And there is a high percentage of prisons, jails that are managed privately. And so I think, number one, the government has a responsibility to make sure that the terms of contracts are abided by, that services are provided that are contracted for. Um, certainly, there have been disturbing news reports and legislative um, investigations that have revealed uh, things that make people very uncomfortable. I think it's difficult to, you know, you know obviously, I, I think we should just sort of stop where we are and assess where we are. It's difficult to unwind everything rapidly because we do have a high percentage of, of facilities under management and you just can't do that real quickly. Whether you have to build new facilities or hire new people, it's, it's a complicated issue. Shifting focus to politics for a second, you are running for governor of what is considered uh, a solidly red state at the moment. You know, Haslam won re-election with over 70% of the vote and Trump got over 60% of the vote. So as a Democrat, what's your path to victory in a state that, at least in recent years, has gone pretty solidly in the Republican column? Well, I think the, the key thing is uh, Democrats need to vote, turn out to vote, which um, has been a, was an issue in 2016 here. Um, I think you have to attract independents and you have to attract moderate Republicans. Tennessee, I think the people of Tennessee want a governor who is going to be moderate, pragmatic, common sense, kind of a get it done person who is not going to be, not be a political extremist, somebody who wants to concentrate on the issues that will move our state forward, the issues that we can really do something about. And that's the, what I'm campaigning on. You know, I ran for for mayor uh, in a nonpartisan election, was elected twice. We have two term limits. And I had to get Democrats, Republicans, and independents to vote for me there. And then when I managed the city, you know, you don't do that on party lines. You know, there's not a Democrat or Republican way to respond to a flood or a Democrat or Republican way to handle stormwater issues. People just want you to get the job done. So I think that's what the voters of Tennessee want. And, and I think if you look at our state, whether it's Governor Haslam, who's a Republican, or Governor Bredesen before him, who was a Democrat, I, I think it's fair to describe both of them as basically moderate, pragmatic people who, who are more interested in doing the job than anything else. And so in that spirit, you know, uh, when you win, you'll likely be working with the solidly red legislature. 
So on what issues do you think in your first 100 days uh, you have some hope that you could work together and actually pass legislation to improve the lives of people in Tennessee? Well, I mean, I think the first thing the, any new governor has to work on is the budget. And I think, you know, one of the strengths Tennessee has now is that I believe there is widespread consensus that education is the issue that does, that needs the most attention. And I think you can work across party lines to get things done there. And I think health care is obviously a huge issue. Our state didn't do the Medicaid expansion which I think was a, a, a big mistake. We've lost you know, billions of dollars that could have been used to help people with low incomes, disabilities, pre-existing conditions have access to health care. It's hard to know what the, the exact conditions will be in terms of federal legislation or budgets in January of 19, but I would certainly do everything I could do if Medicaid expansion is available to make that possible. I, I think People of both parties are sort of waking up to the, the negative consequences that of the decision not to do the expansion. We've had 10 hospitals close here, mostly rural hospitals, and that has a real a devastating effect on a county. I mean, you, it's usually one of the top three or four employers, the hospital. It's hard to attract people. It's hard to attract business if you don't have a hospital. And then the human side of if you have a heart attack, appendicitis, your child breaks uh, her leg. You're uh, 30 to 40 minutes away from the hospital. So th those are issues that I think you can get um, agreement on. I also think if you look at the history of Tennessee, we alternate between Democrat and Republican governors every eight years. And so we have had Republican governors with big Democratic majorities, and they were successful. We had Phil Bredesen with a Republican majority in second term. He was, he was successful. I think having Governors and legislators of different parties is is not an uncommon occurrence in American politics, and someone could you know could certainly argue that it might even be better because it pushes people toward the middle, it pushes people to listen and to work together. Um, I'd give you two examples, sort of from current politics. The governor of Montana is a Democrat. Uh, you wouldn't be surprised to know the legislature there is Republican. Uh, he has been very successful. The governor of Massachusetts is a Republican, and the legislature, as you wouldn't be surprised, is Democratic, and he's been very successful. So that challenge um, is one I think we can manage and one that um, may actually be a benefit. And so in closing, we've had a lot of folks who are super interested in your race and interested in, in general by what many believe is uh, the strongest democratic environment Tennessee has seen since before 2010. Uh, how can folks both in the state and outside of the state get involved in your campaign? What can folks do to help? Well, I think uh, people, we you know, volunteers is obviously um, the most important thing people can do to support our campaign. Um, we have a website, carldean.com, and, and it's Carl with a K. Um, we're doing regional volunteer trainings um, starting in Nashville on April 14th and then in Memphis on April 21st and Knoxville on April 28th. So we would love people to be part of our grassroots campaign and help us win this thing. Well, Mayor Dean, it's a pleasure to talk to you again and good luck out there. Thanks. Thank you, Ravi. Good talking to you. <laughs>